food for me has always been such a medium for conversation and um and I suppose connecting with people as well kind of being able to to share that with everyone every night or kind of being able to share the result of that every night um is something that's extremely extremely special for me and it just kind of keeps me wanting to go back this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep When it comes to food, deconstruction and reinvention rarely live up to the comforting hug of the classics. Dishes that transcend generations, often with a hallmark of simplicity. With the constant evolution of our dining landscape, there are still some chefs elevating the classics and reminding us what's so special about them. Laura Rhinelander is a chef at Sydney's Bar Vincent. Laura, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good to get you on the show. Uh, last, late last year, I experienced one of the best prawn cocktails of my life, courtesy of courtesy of you and your kitchen. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Bar Vincent. Um, I think Bar Vincent. I mean, it's not really about doing anything particularly new. Um, but yeah, I think it's just doing classic dishes, just really well with a massive focus on just. I suppose making everything as delicious um, as possible, um, and yeah, creating quite quite a special dining experience. I think in that way, just yeah, quite unpretentious food um, done with a lot of consideration. I'd say. Well, I've got a lot of soft, spot, soft spots, but um, I certainly have one for a prawn cocktail. Tell us a bit about the one that you're doing there. Um, yeah, it's a dish very close to my heart. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, again, I think we just put it on for Christmas last year just because it was started off as a bit of a bit of a joke. Um, but yeah, just just the classic poached prawn, um, iceberg lettuce, ridiculous tiny little martini cup, um, lashings of cocktail sauce. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you have a secret to poaching the prawns for that dish? Um, we <laughs> we spent a little time googling how salty just the ocean was, and then just kind of. <laughs> made up um end up a little fake sea water um at work and poached them in that so yeah i think that was that was the secret that well i think it's something you should uh, get back on the menu next christmas um but you've you've had a fascinating career which we'll get into shortly but um take us back to when you were young what, what sort of role did food play in your family um i don't think i realized until kind of recently how big of a role food sort of had in my family um, I think my parents always kind of put quite um, quite an emphasis on being present um, around food. Uh, it was always something that we kind of shared, you know, whatever sort of emotion we were experiencing. It was always sort of the medium um, for kind of conversation in our house. You know, if you, you know, something great happened, something not so great happened, it was always, you know, we'd just, you know, talk about that over a meal and, yeah, it was always a very sort of like present thing for us. So I think that's kind of been a thing that's come out in my cooking now. But I don't think I'd ever like really made the connection um, until recently. Are there any sort of dishes or feasts from, from when you were young that really stand out for you? Um, yeah, for sure. But I think off the top of my head now, I can't really remember. But I think <laughs> when you're put on the spot, um, mum... 
Mum was a great cook. She always, I think my, my grandma as well, my grandma lives in Germany. Um, so when we went over as a family sort of um, to visit, I think we would just spend the whole day spend the whole day cooking, um, especially to just do like a really beautiful lunch because we never used to see each other that often. Um, so it was always this big celebration, um, big celebration of food um, when we used to go over and visit as a whole family. Um, but just really, yeah, really beautiful classic food, you know, poached salmon with like hollandaise and asparagus or like some sort of roasted like pork loin and mustard sauce, like really quite classic German <laughs> German cooking, which I never do now. But yeah, I just remember it was the best thing, the best thing to to share with everyone. Tell us about that period of time sort of after you left high school. You didn't, you weren't originally going to be a chef. You um, was, were a, a biomedical student. Tell us a little bit about that and what lured you away from it. Um, yeah, I gave that, I gave that a red hot crack um, for, <laughs> for a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd moved out of home and I'd started, um, I started my, my degree um, and I was just kind of poaching eggs around town a little bit to, um, just to get, get some money in. Um, and I'd kind of taken a break from it um, just because I wasn't super sure um, if I was going to gonna stick with that long term. And I thought, you know, take a year off, um, just work a little bit, see what you want to do, figure it out. And I'd kind of been – I'd been cooking but not, not really – not really seriously, like just working in a few friends' cafes and um, doing a couple of little bits on the side. But I was um, was working a cafe and one of my mates came in and he was working at a really lovely restaurant um, in Brisbane at the time where I lived. Um, and he said they needed a, a barista for the weekend. So I thought, you know, yeah, yeah great. I'll go <laughs> make a couple cups of coffee on the weekend. <laughs> um, and then that kind of turned into one of the apprentices had left and yeah, I don't know. I just put my hand up for it. It was a bit of a split second decision. Um, put my hand up for it. Uh, and I started my apprenticeship. Um, and that was kind of the first time I'd really sort of thought about food, like in a professional aspect. Um, and yeah, I just kind of, kind of rolled with it and just kept saying yes, really. <laughs> um, yeah. That's- Take us back into the kitchen when you were an apprentice. So it was at Gage in Brisbane, which is, um, carving a new people carved a new path for Brisbane um do you have any stories of what it was like in that kitchen yeah it was I loved it there um everything was just yeah it was so new to me um which was great and you know I just kind of had danced in as like an 18 or 19 year old um and I just don't think I stopped asking questions and god bless all the boys working there I know like it would have been so annoying but you know they were so patient um so patient and just so happy to so happy to teach and yeah I just I just started cooking there and kind of just worked my way through there and yeah learnt learnt so much it was yeah such a great restaurant um at the time it's closed now unfortunately but um so so many new sort of modern techniques I'd never like never even heard of um before um, so that was a great sort of introduction. Um, yeah, a really great introduction into into my career. What What did you do after you left there? You're You're up in Brisbane. Yeah, I was in Brisbane. I um I'd seen I think I think Six Penning had posted an ad on Instagram. Um, they were hiring 
an apprentice and yeah again I just I think after work I I sat down after work and just typed my resume up and sent it through and yeah I don't know I didn't really think I'd even get a get a call back and then yeah Dan called me and he said you know can you come down at the end of the week for a trial and I was like oh yeah all right sure cool (laughs) popped on the plane and yeah it just ended up working out and so I moved down I think it was two or three weeks after so um yeah it was all you know very fast and yeah moved down and just started yeah pretty much packed everything up um and yeah started started up down here so that was yeah that was a yeah massive move actually (laughs) take us back to that time What, what was it like for you leaving leaving Brisbane and sort of entering Sydney a much much bigger market in in that sense yeah for sure um I think Brisbane at the time um what was that what nearly three years ago now um is pretty is quite small there and it's kind of like this bigger country town where everyone everyone kind of knows everyone and I'd been working at Gage and I just didn't really feel like I was drawn to go work um anywhere else at that point um especially because there wasn't a massive offering of um of restaurants there that you know I felt really really drawn towards um so I had kind of thought about moving to Sydney. Um, I was like, you know, I'll do it. The, I'll do it next year. You know, I'll work. I'll work this year. I'll do it next year um, when I'm ready. When I'm ready. But I think there's never really that sort of point. And then I think I just got kind of pushed into it or forced to forced to make that work, <laughs> um, which I'm so glad it did because I think it's a type of thing you you hesitate with a little bit unless someone pushes you into the deep end. Um, so yeah, I kind of just. Yeah, as I said, sent my resume off, wasn't really expecting anything. And then it was just kind of this whirlwind that in, you know, three weeks I'd set up in a different city. (laughs) What was it like for you? So you were starting to build your career and COVID was going on, you moved to a new city. What did you think about that sort of um, career as a chef at that time? Yeah, it was a bit of a shock. Um, I moved here. Um, (laughs) I moved here into this random house that I'd found on like Facebook Marketplace like two days before I moved down, like I'd video chat these two boys um, in the bathroom during service and we kind of decided, all right, cool, we'll move in together, (laughs) which in hindsight was so stupid, but I'm so glad that worked out. Um, But moved down and then, yeah, the end of the week was was lockdown or they'd announced we were going into the first lockdown. I just thought, oh, fabulous. I like don't have any of my belongings with me. Um, I just got like a suitcase, which had a few chef shirts, my knives and, you know, a couple couple bits and bobs and oh great you know don't even have a bed yet (laughs) it's like squatting in this random house and then yeah we kind of just went into that lockdown which was a bit of a shock yeah it was a bit of a freak out but um Dan Dan Puskas was just the best he was like you know we've hired you we're gonna get through this no one knows what they're doing so um was very very grateful that he could have uh you know threw me a line and kept me on uh during that time because I'm not really sure what I would have done otherwise. <laughs> Sixpenny has become one of Australia's very best restaurants. So take us into the kitchen and what it's like working with Dan and the team. Yeah, that was that was such a shock. I think I got there um, and everyone just moved like twice as fast as we were moving in Brisbane. It was just like, it was just completely different. It was a completely different format, you know, to, to gauge where I'd worked in as well. And 
just the the quality of food that was going out and the caliber of cooking was just so high which I am so grateful I got to got to cook there it was just such a such a push I think um for me to be working alongside such a you know such a talented team um it just yeah I think it just makes you kind of really push yourself to try and keep up with everyone else um I think I was you know so green when I started there um and yeah it was great you know Dan was so patient again so patient with me so everyone was so willing to teach um as well which is something you know so grateful for is something I also kind of take forward in how you know how I kind of communicate with the people I work with now um but yeah I think the first the first few months were like a little bit of a shock I was also so glad that I (laughs) had kind of started and um we'd all gone into the lockdown so I was like oh fabulous like you know no one knows what they're doing at the moment so maybe it's a little bit less obvious that um (laughs) that I (laughs) that I'm not really sure what's going on because everyone's kind of in this new playing field um so yeah we just we started that bakery and everything and just kind of kind of adapted and yeah it was it was good to kind of just figure that out um alongside everyone else Six Pennies Evolution sort of includes um, having a farm at one time and growing things out the back and a real amazing connection with producers. Do you have any stories of sort of um, produce and producers um, during that period of time? Um, I think during the, yeah, yeah, we always had a little courtyard um, out the back, which is quite lovely being able to kind of, you know, run out during service and grab whatever was growing and East Hissip or some, you know, some rocker. We had this beautiful lemon verbena tree that just surprisingly just the most resilient little lemon verbena tree that just made it through, um, made it through every season. Um, so it was really beautiful kind of having that out the back to just pull on, um, pull on during service if you needed, if you needed to run out and grab something. Um, that was quite beautiful. At the time, I think we were using um, we were using sticks um, as one of our main suppliers um, for for vegetables, um, and you know to this day, Jimmy, um, our our farmer or sort of the guy that was liaising with us, you know, I cook for him like once a month now at Bar Vincent, um, once every couple of months now at Bar Vincent, which is really beautiful to kind of still have that connection where um, you know he comes in and still so interested in you know what I'm doing and it's really lovely to be able to kind of sit down and you know cook a meal for him and do something special when that whole time at Sixpenny you take such care and dropping off such beautiful produce um yeah it was yeah wonderful again Sixpenny is uh, known for its incredible sort of technical precision, but also quirkiness and, and sometimes a play on on classics. Um, what did you take from your, your time there? I think, I think simplicity, or just such a such an emphasis on simplicity, um, has definitely been something has been something that I've just I've grasped and really taken taken with me. Um, I think especially with Dan as well, like he was just always sort of trying, trying something new or trying to tweak something in a little way, but also just not being, not being afraid. Like if it doesn't work out, um, you know, it's sort of part of it as well. Like I think we had so many, so many fails there as well while we were coming up with, with new dishes. Um, but I think, you know, just taking that and being, 
you know, it's fine. It's fine if something doesn't work out. Like, use that as a lesson and then come back and revisit it. And, yeah, just kind of having having fun with it um, has been, yeah, a big thing I've taken taken with it. I think just really, yeah, showing focus um, on the food that you're cooking. You know, it's not necessarily much on the plate at Six Penny, but everything's done with such consideration and such focus. Um, and I think that just is something that translates to when you eat it. So that's definitely something I've taken taken with me. Bar Vincent's a very different proposition to Six Penny. How did that gig come about? Uh, again, it was also a bit of a split second, uh, split second decision. But um, <laughs> I'd um, I'd heard about it just word of mouth, which I think is how these guys have really done it at Bar Vincent. It was just word of mouth. I'd heard about it. I think I got in a Friday off work really last minute, and um, I went in. I went in for lunch and just sat at the bar and had a had a couple of bowls of pasta. Um, and I just like, I just fell in love with it. As I think a lot of people do here, you kind of, you just get swept up in the charm, but the food was a lot more sort of in line with the food I see myself cooking in the future. Um, so I was just, you know, I just asked if they were hiring. They were like, oh, you know, not, not really, but if you want to, you know, leave your number, maybe we'll give you a call. And I was like, all right, cool. I put my number down. It was like two weeks and I hadn't really heard anything. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll just drop in again. <laughs> I was pretty persistent. Um, and I'm glad I did because they wrote my number down wrong. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, they said, you know, we'd actually just had someone finish up if you maybe want to start start doing a couple of days and I was like, oh, right, sure. So was doing a couple days a week here and I was still working full time at Six Penny. So it was a few months where it was, it was a bit of a push. Um, but yeah, I ended up finishing up at Six Penny, which was a massive decision for me as well. Um, especially to go do something that's pretty much, I think the opposite, um, of the style of dining that I'd become, you know, so accustomed to. Um, but yeah, it was, I think I just felt, you know, it was time to move on and kind of cook the food that I feel very, you know, feel inclined to do. Um, yeah, so that was kind of how Barbeting came around and, yeah, I've stuck around for a while now. <laughs> well, well, we mentioned the prawn cocktail at the top of the show, but what, what's some of the dishes at the moment that sort of really speak to to what you're talking about here, the sort of food that you see yourself doing when you have your own venue in the future? Yeah, I think um, a lot of the pastas here I find really quite special and beautiful. Like, it's nothing, you know, reinvented. Um, you know, capelli with some saffron and clams, you know, it's been done a hundred times before, you know, a hundred different ways. But um, it's just sort of a dish that I cook every single time and I'm, like, still excited to cook every single time. And people are just so the response to it is just so, so positive time and time over again. So it's sort of those like classic dishes that just, I just, yeah, I don't get tired of them really. Um, yeah, we've got quite a few like little house classics that stay on. Um, yeah, I just, I just sort of love that, that feeling of every time you eat them, like it's just so, so delicious. Um, you just kind of keep wanting to go back for more and more and more again and, yeah, that's sort of something we kind of, I think, strive for here a little bit. Like that sort of point where something is just, yeah, 
so, so delicious. You kind of can't help yourself for going back for a second or a third mouthful, even when, you know, you're probably, probably way too full anyway. But I think that's quite a nice sort of moment um, when eating. Yeah. Tell us about some of these house classics that probably couldn't come off the menu. I think our, the annulotti, um, Dale Flynn from, yeah, you know, Piedmont, really quite simple, just a, you know, silver beet, parmesan, nutmeg, and a little mixture of the different offcuts of meat that we have, um, just braised down, just, you know, swimming um, in some sage butter. But it's just that super sort of comforting, comforting food um, that I think draws people back here time and time again. Um and, you know, just fish, like a whole fish um, cocktail. It's such a beautiful thing to share as well. It's so, like, interactive and um, just get so much beautiful flavour from just having fish cooked on the bone and, you know, having it actually just cooked through. I think often going out to a restaurant, which I love as well, having, you know, a piece of uh, a fillet of fish that's, you know, a little bit a little bit raw in the middle, which is beautiful, but... I also think there's something that's quite homey and nostalgic about just having this whole fish that's cooked through with whatever garnish it is we choose to do on the night. Um, but just kind of being able to share that with someone I think is really beautiful. I'm trying to think what else we do, classics. Our little our beef tartare as well. Um, again, from Piedmont, but just olive oil, salt, and, um, and like some beef. And you kind of think like the first time Andy was kind of walking me through that and how we do the dish. I was like, oh, all right. Like every time I'd done tartare and whatever venue it was, it was always, you know, four or five, you know, different mix-ins to, to make it something that to have something so simple as just, we've got this really beautiful beef. We're just going to season it with olive oil um, and just enough, you know, salt to really bring it together. And then you try it and you're just like, this doesn't taste like, you know, three ingredients. This tastes like this beautifully, um, beautifully complex dish, but, you know, it's so simple and, yeah, people people love it. So, It usually takes a lot of years um, for chefs to um, show that maturity and, and restraint on a plate, on a plate and, um, and pull back rather than sort of have the urge to put too much on the plate. What, what's it like in the kitchen there? Is there an urge to put more on a plate or how does it work? Yeah, not at all. I think it's such a unique relationship I think I have here in the kitchen. Um, like I came in, I think, you know, I was 22 when I started. I came in, as pretty young. I was working with like three um, 45, 50-year-old guys. So it was just a bit of a funny dynamic anyway. <laughs> but it was... Um, you know, they had such this beautiful, intuitive cooking style um, and so simple as well. So I think I'd come in from, you know, quite a background of fine dining and, um, yeah, we would kind of, you know, share ideas and they would just kind of show me, all right, cool, this is great. Well, you know, let's pair it back a little bit. And then you take a few things off the dish and you've just got like, especially with the quality of produce, um, you know that we use is just there's no need to overcomplicate it um especially Andy in the kitchen here has just been the best and so so receptive to input as well so he might come up with the concept of a dish he might want to do like some sort of tomato salad be like all right cool how do you want to do that he's like oh not really sure and then I might put something together and he's like all right great this is good let's pair it back a little bit let's do this um and it's kind of this this sort of compromise of the dish and we just you know it gets improvised a little bit on the night but it's 
each dish sort of is like a bit of a conversation um, between the two of us and we kind of have this back and forth of input of how we want to do something and then obviously because he's just worked in the kitchen for so long and has you know been doing this style of cooking for so long he's got such such a knack for creating food that's so simple and he just knows like where you kind of need to put um like what details you kind of really need to put attention to um yeah so that's been something that I've definitely picked up and really tried to focus on like he just kind of knows when to stop and when you've got enough on the plate that everything just kind of sings the best it can and after you get it to that stage then you don't really need to do anymore the thing that's amazing about Bar Vincent is it's not just about that sort of simplicity with and stunning sort of food. It sort of feels like it's been there forever and it's sort of tucked away. You wouldn't know about it unless you knew about it. How do they manage that sort of atmosphere and to create such a unique venue that really feels like it's a, a local sort of dream? I think because it did just kind of pop up out of nowhere. I think the space that we're in was vacant for, for years before... Um, before they signed the lease on it, Andy and Sarah. Um, it'd been a restaurant like back in the early 2000s, I think. And a few other things have kind of like slipped in, but nothing had really been that permanent. So it was pretty much just a hole in the wall. Um, and they signed the lease and started it up. But, you know, especially in today's age, it's pretty bold, like not really to attempt any social media as well. Like it really was just this really beautiful organic growth um of of guests coming in because it was really just word of mouth so I think a lot of people think oh you know this has been here forever um but it just it just had this really beautiful soft opening I think um that took you know a couple years to grow to where it is now which is crazy because I don't really think anyone would would open a restaurant that way now but for them to just have such faith in their product and what they're what experience they're trying to give to people to just really back themselves enough to just be like you know people will find out it's good and they're going to come and just to stick with that um has been a really beautiful thing to see as well and now like I've never worked in a restaurant that's got the most loyal like customers I've ever seen in my life you know (laughs) um fiercely loyal (laughs) but um such a beautiful like returning yeah you know, Tuesday nights, it's like you just look into the room and you just know, like, every single face there. It's, like, families that come every week or it's a couple, you know, couples that live around the corner that, you know, they book in twice a week and you know what they like to eat. So you might make something a little bit extra for them and keep it on the side just in case. And it's a lot of hospitality that come in just because I think the food is so sort of unpretentious and familiar in a sense that still so exciting to to go out and eat I think it's a very you know it's a really comfortable and crazy little venue and that everyone knows like we're not trying to do anything crazy and new or reinvent anything but just kind of you know sticking to our guns and making food that is really fulfilling for people um yeah so I think just the way they've done that and just having it grow in such an organic way is really beautiful if you think back to sort of how you were when you got that random opportunity in the kitchen at Gage compared to sort of now at Bar Vincent. Have have you changed a lot in your sort of thoughts and approach to to eating and food? Oh my gosh, like I don't even recognise 
like, <laughs> I don't even recognize, like, I think what, what me when I was like 18 and just like ridiculously eager, bouncing off the walls, like ready to cook, where to, you know, and ready to do all these like new, exciting like techniques and all these fun, like crazy flavors and whatever. And now just kind of reverting to this style of food that is just quite homey in a sense. Um, yeah, it's just the total opposite, really. I think looking back with a bit of perspective and hindsight is a bit, bit wild to think, you know, how far I've come and what it's only been maybe four years now, four or five years, um, and to kind of appreciating such different aspects of cooking and of dining um, as well. You know, I didn't really think I'd ever see myself cooking in such a more classic and simplistic style. Um, but, yeah, such, you know, such a, such a change, yeah. Well, the team there are very sort of um, shy when it comes to the media and they've built an incredible establishment that, uh, as you mentioned, has the most fierce uh, fan base in, in Sydney, I think. What, what do you love about what you do? Oh, I just, like, I love cooking for a start. Like, I think for myself, it's just something that I feel so, I find so fulfilling um, and just brings me so much joy, the actual act of cooking itself. Um, but I just think like working with people as well and cooking for people, such a beautiful thing. I think, again, as I was saying, like food for me has always been such a medium for conversation and, um, and I suppose connecting with people as well. I mean, you spend all day like cooking, you know, with people, for people using like based on relationships, you've kind of based with people to get produce and, um, whatever ingredients. So I think kind of being able to to share that with everyone every night or kind of being able to share the result of that every night um, is something that's extremely, extremely special for me and it just kind of keeps me wanting to go back um, day after day and it keeps it, you know, I just don't get, I just don't get sick of it. I just love it. Um. <laughs> well, um, as you know, the um, Deep in the Weeds team love what you guys do at Bar Vincent as well and it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you guys soon. We'll get the prawn cocktail back on. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yes, please. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.